This talk was given at Insight Meditation South Bay. For more information and a schedule of our events, visit the Insight Meditation South Bay website at www.imsb.org. For information about online programs, visit the Bodhi Courses website at www.bodhicourses.org. Bodhi is spelled B-O-D-H-I. We continue this evening in this series on cultivating mindfulness. If you were not able to be here for the first two evenings, as Nancy announced, um, you can eventually catch those talks. Um, Both were given by Shyla Catherine. The first week was on mindfulness of breathing. Last week was mindfulness of uh, the body, physicality, materiality. And this evening we are picking up on mindfulness of thoughts. Next week we will round out this introduction. It's a foundational series on mindfulness. So next week we'll uh, bring uh, mindfulness of emotions and mental states. And um, so Renee Burgard is a very experienced teacher. I think you uh, will enjoy being with her next week if you're able to come. (coughs) Mindfulness and skillful thoughts. That's what we will be exploring this evening. I have a few questions to start with. How do you know when you're thinking? You don't know? (laughs) Often you're not in the present moment. Okay, not in the present moment. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, somewhere else. Past or future. How do you know? So I'm going to just repeat the question a few times. And yeah, it's on. And um, I invite your responses. David? Okay, so you know a thought was there because then after it has started, you recognize that you were thinking. Oh, that's interesting. So after you bring yourself into the present moment, you just realize, oh, I've just been thinking about what happened the week before last. <laughs> so, so often after um, the fact of the thought having started or maybe even completed. So um, I'm not... Uh, So what form does a thought take? What form does a thought take for you? A narrative? Mm -hmm. Words, words in in the mind and, yeah. I'm referring to the thinking process itself, not the content of the thought. So what form does a thought take for you? An image. Okay. Some people think in images. Engagement. Engagement. Okay. So can you say, um, that's very interesting. Can you say a bit more? In what way are you engaged with it? So there is um, a level of activity that I'm 
with the thought process. So if you're thinking, there is uh, an engagement. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a level of, I might add the word mental activity, a level of mental activity uh, that you then become engaged with. Mental as opposed to physical. Okay. Anybody else? Disconnected, uh, the mind is one place while you're doing something else, such as taking a shower. And sometimes the body is affected if you're having a response or reaction to what you're thinking. Very much so, right. So um, there can be a physical response to a mental thought. We'll talk more, I'm going to talk more about that as well. Good. Any other comments on what form does a thought take for you? Various combinations of sense objects. Oh, interesting. Various combination of sensory experience. Okay. Ah, please. So the actual thought content might form around planning or memory and not so much around the sensory experience. See, this is... Did you wish to make a comment? Okay. Yeah, another... There's actually a term for that in the teachings. <laughs> it's called proliferation of thoughts. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, so one thought leads to the next, to the next, to the next, and the next thing you know, you sat down to do one thing and you're back in your vacation in Hawaii last year. How did that happen? You've written the novel, right. And so many of the thoughts that, and the thought process itself, it's like a script. It's like a story we're telling ourselves. It's a novel that would be very boring for anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be boring for anybody else. Yes, probably. Because I am the central character. <laughs> and I get to say what's going to transpire. Oh, <laughs> okay, good. This is excellent. So there are many forms and ways in which people experience the thinking process. I'm very much aware of uh, 
hearing the thoughts in my head, much the way David said, uh, a narrative. I hear the thoughts. Occasionally I see an image. But can you distinguish between the process of thinking, namely having a thought, versus the content or the subject of the thought? Distinguish between the process of thinking and the content. Please. Uh-huh. Okay. So even though the obs- obsessive thinking has already started, at some point you step back and say, "Oh, this is what's going on." Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Right. The night, the night narrative. Yeah. Please. Sometimes I forget what I was about to say in the middle of saying it, like a punchline of a joke. And I become aware of that there's something wrong with my feet. Oh. The process of the thought, because you can't remember the the final punchline. Yes. Oh, this is fascinating. So, sometimes it can be a subtle experience, that difference between having the thought, aware of the thought, versus the content. That's an important piece to begin that process of not being totally identified with our thoughts. That I am this thought. I'm going to say more so your question, I can see a question on your face. If I ask you right now to think about your kitchen, what do you notice? What do you experience? (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's is that a, a thought or an image? Okay, Edie? You see a picture? Okay. How many people see a mental picture of your kitchen? If I say... And then, so you see the picture and then there's some kind of commentary about it? Is that it? So the thought followed the image? Mm-hmm. Please. Image naming, then thinking about the Image, and then naming some aspect of what the image is, and then a more elaborate thought about it. Mm-hmm. Beginning to see, so we're teasing out some of what can be the process of thinking. So we'll explore a little bit more about mindfulness and thoughts. 
and how investigating them with mindful awareness can be a useful tool. Where do thoughts come from? I'm not particularly asking for feedback right now. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. <laughs> but you may have, you may have a different um, understanding of what I'm going to offer. Thoughts are a function of the mind. Okay. How do they occur? Usually thoughts are a conditioned response or reaction to something that occurs in our external experience, but it could also be in response to an internal experience, such as pain in the body or even another thought in our mind. So what is a conditioned response? It's a deeply held belief, a habit or desire that whatever is occurring in my field of experience, it's either pleasing to me or displeasing to me. It occurs without a pause. It's almost automatic. And we tend to identify with our responses as being right and true with the story we are creating about our experience. What are some of the characteristics of thoughts? Some of that has already been shared. Um, Well, they can be random. They can proliferate. They are the ongoing commentary we tell ourselves. They can cause the mind to be agitated or peaceful. They can have an influence on the body and vice versa. The body can have an influence on our thoughts. Thoughts can make us feel as if we are a victim to them, as if we have no control over them. This is often referred to as a restless mind or the chatter in our head or the monkey mind. Restlessness is one of the five hindrances. So it's a common factor for us to contend with in our mindfulness practice. We all have a restless mind at some point, but it can be worked with. Mindfulness meditation develops different skills in the mind that allow us to step back from the conditioned responses to actually see the results of the thoughts we have. What we notice is that certain thoughts lead to unpleasant mental states. Other thoughts lead to pleasant mental states. These states, whether unpleasant or pleasant, influence our behavior and our actions. There's a wonderful quote in Shyla Catherine's book, Focused and Fearless, I want to read. 
relative to this topic. It's a quote from um, a Tibetan nun by the name of Tenzin Palmo. There is the thought, and then there is the knowing of the thought. And the difference between being aware of the thought and just thinking is immense. Normally, we are so identified with our thoughts and emotions that we are them. We are the happiness. We are the anger. We are the fear. We have to learn to step back and know our thoughts and emotions are just thoughts and emotions. They're just mental states. They're not solid. They're transparent. Mindfulness enables us to see clearly that when we have an unpleasant reaction to something, an unwholesome thought occurs, which likely leads to an unskillful action or behavior. Conversely, a pleasant reaction leads to a wholesome thought and skillful action. Our conditioning is subjective, so what I react to in an experience will be different than what you react to. Mindfulness meditation can help each of us discover how our minds work and begin the process of developing skills to reduce the automatic reactions, which lead to distress and mental discomfort, or dukkha. The Buddhist translation for dukkha is suffering. It's a Pali term. Pali is the ancient written language of Buddhist scripture. A misleading perception people have about meditation is that we're trying to stop or change our thoughts. We're not trying to have a silent mind. While this does occur occasionally, it's not the point of meditation. With practice, we are allowing the thoughts to be there without pursuing the storyline or becoming the central character in the drama. This means we have a choice whether or not to engage actively with them. If we do not interact with them, resist or fight with them, they will cease on their own. As with all things, thoughts are impermanent. The process of watching a thought begin, remain briefly, and end is observable, and can be experienced directly. It's a little like stepping behind the waterfall and observing the water flowing down, but not being in the waterfall. It can lead to a more settled, peaceful mind. So I want to take uh, a moment and pause and actually uh, do this. So... We'll try this right now, a short meditation on observing a thought. Um, So just allow your attention once again to go inward. Feel your body sitting. Feel where your hands are resting. 
Feel the rise and fall of the breath wherever that is most apparent. And as you sit with your breath and the body, if a thought comes into the mind, recognize it as a thought as soon as it arises, if possible. And not engaging with the content of that thought. Watch what occurs if you Just stay with the thought without that engagement. And then you may wish to return to the breath and just sit and watch, being aware of any arising of thought, its brief staying present and it's fading away or ending. Was anyone able to actually observe a thought it's in its beginning, remaining briefly, ending? Mm-hmm. Not sure? Okay. It's an interesting exercise. I believe that with me, if I'm observing a thought, there is always a bit of intention. And something in my mind decides to drop it. So um, she observes that there is usually a level of intention and discernment in watching a thought. Well, it's one of my next points. Please. Well, this is this is a, um, a very interesting observation that um, when I direct my attention inward, 
Um, maybe there was a fleeting thought, but then it ended, or no thoughts. Yeah. If, pardon me, just hold that thought. <laughs> so what we were speaking of earlier about engagement, if I don't engage with the thought, it has no fuel. I'm not nur- nurturing it or nourishing it. David? That's right. That's, yes, excellent. That's actually a very good observation that I might be um, given instruction to focus on the breath, but I'm actually doing an intellectual exercise around it instead. Pleasant or unpleasant? Yeah, pleasant or unpleasant. And when you said that, I thought, isn't that really judgment? Is judgment a judgment is a type of thought? Is it possible to have a thought without judgment? I think so, but but um, yeah, when you said that, I was like, wait, aren't you talking about judgment? And now I'm starting to think about there's different kinds of thought. I think that's I correct. Planning. Yes. Planning thought, there's the worry thought. Absolutely. And then there's the stories. Which I do great when I'm trying to figure something out, especially like why did somebody do something to me? Or then I make up all these stories. Absolutely. So the stories that we make up about our experience. That's correct, yes. Um, Referencing the pleasant and unpleasant are the most dominant, and uh, yes, neutral is also experience. I'm not answering your question directly, Kitty, because part of it will be covered, I think, in my further comments. Okay. Could you all hear that incredible observation about the power of our thoughts that um, can, you know, start a morning feeling 
quite fine, you know, everything in order. And by the time one leaves for work 45 minutes later, one's mood has completely shifted and the world is upside down and terrible and so forth. Yes, the, the power of thoughts. Now, I want to make a, a point that awareness is not the same as a thought. So, first of all, awareness is not the same as a thought. Awareness lies beyond thinking. Awareness is a larger space in which the thoughts occur. Thoughts are the activity of the mind in the same way that sensations are the activity in the body. They're both thoughts and sensations are impermanent. This is a key teaching of the Buddha that we need to remember. We do not have to believe, indulge, or identify with our thoughts. They're just passing through the mind. We are not our thoughts. We do have a choice. Being able to see our thoughts as just thoughts is important in our development to see clearly the impact of the hindrances and other forms of mental conditioning that hinder our liberation. Mindfulness meditation practice enables us to slow down and to be more discerning about our experience physically and mentally. This discernment perceives clearly the difference between a wholesome and an unwholesome thought. Wholesome thoughts can point us toward the development of wholesome actions, such as knowing compassion and joy, or giving expression to generosity and kindness. Mindfulness is a wholesome mental factor, which helps in the cultivation of wisdom. Seeing things as they are and bringing equanimity to each moment. Mindfulness is not thinking about things. It is a way of of observing experience without discursive thinking. Not all thoughts are harmful. Skillful thoughts promote skillful action. Reflecting on our intentions and development of wholesome qualities is good. We, ask, we can ask ourselves, what is deserving of my attention or engagement in this moment? Discerning between the thoughts of daily life, discursive thinking, trivial thoughts, mundane thoughts, past, future, which are not relevant to my practice right now, and thoughts that lead to understanding. So those thoughts are the things that we're letting go. Thoughts that lead to understanding and insight is another important part of our mindfulness practice. So as some of the comments have been made here already, is my intention and my is this thought going to help and develop my mindfulness skills or is it just more of my everyday mundane thinking thoughts i'm going to say that sentence again thoughts that lead to understanding and insight is an important part of a mindfulness practice
People sometimes report knowing this quality of the mind when they are in nature. There is a knowing of the physical and perceptual experience without any inner commentary. Think about that if you've ever had that experience. For those few moments, there is a spacious awareness, a knowing what is happening, where you are, what you're seeing, hearing, smelling, and what you are perceiving. Without that mental chatter, there is just a being. In his book, Satipatthana, The Direct Path to Realization, Bhikkhu Analyo states, The ability of a purely theoretical approach to result in awakening is a recurrent theme in the discourses. To spend one's time intellectually considering the Dhamma and thereby neglecting actual practice clearly meets with the Buddha's disapproval. According to him, one who acts thus cannot be considered a practitioner of the Dhamma, but merely as someone caught up in thinking. So how do we work with thoughts skillfully? We all know what it feels like when the mind is swept swept away with a barrage of thoughts. There are several skillful practices that are recommended to help settle the mind when it's caught in the web of identifying with thoughts. First of all, we need to have a regular mindfulness meditation practice where you are intentionally cultivating and strengthening the ability to focus on the breath or an other meditation object to let go of the internal and external distractions. Returning to that meditation object is your anchor. Practice is done without judgment or interest for whatever arises. It's more a level of curiosity, but not engagement. Second, we notice how the thoughts affect the body both physically and energetically. Also, how they affect our mental outlook, our mood, and when, how our engagement with the thoughts affect our mental outlook and our mood. So, how am I engaging with the thoughts that arise? How are these particular thoughts making a shift in my mood? Number three, begin to notice what emotion is triggered by the thought and if possible, label the emotional feeling tone such as fear, annoyance, sadness. It could be a positive. It could be, I could be swept away with imagining something very wonderful that may or may not happen. I'm still being distracted. So labeling the emotion that is being triggered by the thought. Label or note the pattern of thoughts, such as planning, worrying, ruminating. Those are still thoughts. So sometimes we 
as we bring our attention to the thinking process, we begin to know what some of our top five or top ten patterns of thinking are. Um, I know worry really well. (laughs) If you're a mother, you know worry. Thoughts are the mental lane of traffic passing through the mind. We can step aside and let the traffic pass. Another simile to to this whole process. Earlier I commented on the waterfall. We can get off the proliferation train that sometimes runs. Alternatively, sit quietly and notice what occurs in your experience physically, mentally, and emotionally. Free of any of the stories or comments about your experience, be with the experience. Just sit quietly and observe. And the last point for possible practices of working with thoughts Remember the spacious aspect of the mind. Let this bring a sense of ease where the mind and body can relax. The Dhammapada speaks to the thinking mind and the causal or progressive aspects of the Buddha's teachings. So this is from... Dhammapada, verse 35 and 36. The mind, hard to control, flighty, alighting where it wishes, one does well to tame. The disciplined mind brings happiness. The mind, hard to see, subtle, alighting where it wishes, the sage protects. The watched mind brings happiness. And from the suttas. Whatever one frequently thinks and ponders upon, that will become the inclination of his mind. The Buddha. There are other wonderful meditation practices in Shaila's book, Focused and Fearless, on um, how to deal with a restless mind. Please. I've heard that. Um, I can't speak to that quote. Yeah. Yeah. But don't you think it's saying something like um, what I just said from the suttas? Whatever one frequently thinks and ponders upon, that will become the inclination of his mind. Yeah, that's reminding me of the quote. Yeah. I could make a case where they see their similarity. Absolutely. By um, changing your thoughts, I mean, by 
Yes. Absolutely, and that's what we're doing with our development of mindfulness and and uh, developing skillful thoughts and actions. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.